Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Salvation by grace, or another way to say it, salvation as the free gift of God, is the distinct feature of the gospel. See, this is the gospel, salvation by grace. It's God's free gift. I don't earn it. I don't work for it. I don't do anything really to deserve it. It's God's gift. All I do is receive it. If you lose that, you lose the gospel. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, in a message titled, The Battle for the Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so here we are in the book of Acts as we're making our way through And our message today, the title of our message today is The Battle for the Gospel, because in the passage there in Acts 15, that's what's really being described. It's the battle for the gospel. And listen, the battle for the gospel, it's a battle in every generation. So they fought that battle then, and uh, we have to fight it today. So we're going to look at the historical context of what happened back then, but we also want to look at uh, application for us today. But before we get there, let me, let me remind you of just the, the setting here. The setting is the church in Antioch. And maybe you remember, Antioch, this is the place where Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ by the droves. I mean, this is just like, you know, this is like the center of the the moving of God's spirit at this time. This is a place where Barnabas uh, originally comes to. He, they're in Jerusalem. They hear what's happening in Antioch. Barnabas is sent down. He comes to Antioch, and it says uh, that when he had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to continue with the Lord. This is the place where Barnabas and Saul were part of a ministry team, And it was from there that they were commissioned and sent out by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel and establish churches, which they did in that first missionary journey. So just see this in your mind. This church, it's booming, it's thriving, it's gospel-focused, it's grace-centered, it's Holy Spirit-filled. That's the atmosphere. And then these men from Judea, it says, they come with the heavy news that all of what they are experiencing is null and void unless they get circumcised and keep the law of Moses. So man, talk about a quench. And that's really exactly what these guys were attempting to do. They wanted to put the kibosh on this grace fest, and they wanted to bring everybody under their control through the law. That's what was happening. And thank God for Paul and Barnabas, because they would not have any of it. And so we read that they disputed with them. The NIV says that they they debated sharply with them, and then they went to Jerusalem to settle the matter 
once and for all. And, and of course, that's what we read in those verses there in Acts 15. So I, I want to, there's three things that I want to look at here today, but let me first say this. I want to uh, quote to you from F.F. F. Bruce. F.F. F. Bruce was a well-known Bible scholar from a previous generation. Uh, but he said this, he said, the council of Jerusalem is an event to which Luke plainly attaches the highest importance. It is as epic making in his eyes as the conversion of Paul or the preaching of the gospel to Cornelius and his household. So that uh, Bruce is saying that, that for Luke, this is a very strategic, critical story that he includes into his history, again, because of what's really going on here. And, you know, we need, we need to see the, the seriousness of the matter. It is really the gospel that is at stake. So the three things that we want to look at are, number one, the issue at stake. Secondly, the final verdict on the matter. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the relevance of all of this for us today. So the issue at stake, like I said, it's the gospel. Now, it wasn't that these guys just, you know, didn't approve of some of what was happening there in Antioch and they came down to, you know, kind of sort the believers out. Notice they come down and they say this. They say, unless you are circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. <laughs> so in their minds, I think, think about how crazy this is. In their minds, all of this amazing activity that's happening, all of this spirit-led, gospel-centered, you know, all of this in their minds is um, highly questionable because these people can't even really be saved. How can they be saved? They're not circumcised in keeping the law of Moses. So that's really what is happening here. For these guys, the message of salvation by grace through faith is being denied. That's essentially what they're, de they're doing. They're denying that that is really the message. They are seeking to make law-keeping a condition for salvation. They are trying to add something of human merit to salvation. That, that's what they're doing. For them, salvation is through Jesus, yes, but also through law-keeping. That's what they thought. That was their message. Now, this is so radical. Had they succeeded, had they won this battle, had they succeeded in attaching the law to the gospel, the gospel would have been destroyed and the church would have just become an extension of the synagogue. The church would have just been seen as another form of Judaism, primarily about everything Jewish. And once again, if you want to be part of it, you got to convert to Judaism. That's what would have happened. And Paul understood that. And Barnabas understood that. And so they contended with them. So salvation by grace, or another way to say it, salvation as the free gift of God, is the distinct feature of the gospel. See, this is the gospel, salvation by grace. It's, it's God's free gift. I don't, I don't earn it. I don't work for it. I don't, I don't do anything really to deserve it. It's, it's God's gift. All I do is receive it. 
If you lose that, you lose the gospel. If we lose that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, we lose the gospel. So any message that, you know, puts itself forth as the gospel, but in some way, by adding something additional, it essentially, you know, denies the, the salvation by grace through faith, the gospel is gone. So that was the issue. Now, the final verdict on the matter is spelled out for us as we walk through the story. It begins with Peter's testimony, then Barnabas and Paul, they share a testimony about what's happened with their ministry among the Gentiles. Then James weighs in. Now, James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. And so he's the kind of the recognized leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so there's the word of James. And then finally, there's this letter that they write. So let's just kind of walk through for a moment and, and look at this verdict that they gave. So it says in verse six, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, so this was a very contentious atmosphere and they're disputing and debating, even there in Jerusalem, look what it says. Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So Peter says, look, now, one quick thing. If you read the book of Galatians, in the second chapter, Paul tells the story of having a dispute, a public dispute with Peter in Antioch over this very issue. Well, not totally. Peter obviously knew what the gospel was, but there was a time in Antioch where Peter was visiting and he was with the Gentiles and he was just enjoying, you know, just that wonderful fellowship and all. But then certain people came to Antioch from Jerusalem. They came down from James and Peter got a little bit intimidated. And so he withdrew a bit from the Gentiles and Paul rebuked him publicly. He said, How, you know, Peter, what are you doing? And evidently, because what we're reading about right here is after that, most likely. This is after that happened. So now Peter's, he's got it all sorted out now. He's, he's, he, he knows, I mean, he knew already, but, but he got intimidated. And so that's why he was compromising. But now he is very bold and he just says, hey, look, remember, God used me, sent me to the house of Cornelius. I preached the gospel they received the Holy Spirit just as we had done, and they received the Holy Spirit as Gentiles. There was nothing in the message that you know, indicated that they were to become Jews. They didn't, of course, become Jews. So Peter's saying, look, I'm here to, with all of this dispute going on, I'm here to take you back to what God did. And he welcomed them into the family 
without requiring their adherence to the law. And then Barnabas and Paul, they then go on to talk about the things that they had experienced. Verse 12, among the Gentiles, then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So they had all of these stories. And again, the point was this. We've been preaching the gospel. These Gentiles have been coming to faith in Christ. God has been working miraculously among them. Nobody has ever for one moment thought that we should circumcise them or get them to adhere to the law of Moses. God is blessing, and it's happening all over the Gentile world. And so as, as the people are hearing these testimonies, so they've got Peter reminding them of what happened. They've got Barnabas and, and Paul telling them about the testimonies. But then James, he weighs in as well. And so after they had become silent, James answered saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared, now Simon is Peter's other name, so he's referring to Peter here. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And then he goes uh, to quote the prophets and the key word in verse 17 is, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord. So James now, who, like I said, is looked at in, in the eyes of the, the people in Jerusalem as, you know, James is really an authority figure. James says, no, you know, what Simon said is right. And even the prophets said that God was going to do something and he was going to bring in the Gentiles. And so from that, they concluded that they would write a letter and they would send this letter out to the Gentile churches. So then we come, let's just look really quickly at the letter, just a couple of points here. So verse 23 says, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles and elders and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings, since we have heard, this is important, since we have heard that some that went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. So the way that's described is very interesting. Words unsettling your soul. You know, that's what happens. The enemy wants to unsettle our souls. He doesn't want us to be confident in our salvation. He doesn't want us to have the, the assurance that we are God's people and that God has saved us and God's going to get us you know, right there ultimately into heaven. He doesn't want us to have that assurance. He wants to unsettle our souls. And that's exactly what happened. So these Gentiles are just having the greatest time of their life because now they're saved. Now they know the true God. They've been delivered from idolatry and they've been delivered from sin and all this. And then these guys come down and they lay this heavy trip on them. And suddenly they're like, wait, are, are we really saved? I mean, I, th I, thought we, I thought we were forgiven. Maybe we're not forgiven. Maybe we need to do this. So all of this happened and it resulted in the unsettling of their souls but I love what the letter says here regarding these men. It says, to whom we gave no such commandment. So they're just saying, no, we did not send these guys. They are not representing us. Now, the church in Jerusalem did indeed get kind of bogged down in 
Jewish things, but not to the extent that they were confused about how salvation you know, really worked. So these, these guys were uh, misrepresenting. They were from the Jerusalem church. They were going out, but they were saying, hey, the apostles sent us down, and this is what they want you to know. They said, no way. We did not send them. We did not give them any kind of a commandment like that. And so he goes on, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. That's a, that's a key right there too. With our beloved Barnabas and Paul. There was always this attempt to kind of, you know, pit Paul against Peter and, and all of that sort of thing. But here in Jerusalem, they're saying, no, we, we love Barnabas and Paul. And these men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things to you by word of mouth. And verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So they are sending this letter along with these men to communicate to the Gentiles, hey, you're fine. It's okay. Just carry on just, just as you were. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that everything is, 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 is just great. And we agree with that as well. So that's the final verdict on the matter. The final verdict on the matter is that if you try to add anything to Christ, then you lose the gospel. And God saved the Gentiles without requiring them to come under the Mosaic system. And so any addition to the finished work of Jesus is to be completely rejected. So that brings us to the relevance of the topic for today. And, and believe me, it's relevant because every generation has this battle to fight in one way or another. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ. And if we add anything else to that, as I said, we lose the gospel. But it wasn't just the Jews who did it back in this apostolic era. This has been repeated over and over and over again in history. And there are things that we can point to right now, currently, that are happening somewhere around us that are really similar to this and, in essence, pretty much doing the same kind of thing. And so let's look at a few of those things. Anyone who says, if you want to be saved, believe in Jesus and do this, just walk away because that's not the gospel. They're not giving you the gospel. Any addition, any attempt to add to the finished work of Christ actually diminishes from the work of Christ. So, so any addition whatsoever. Now, like I said, you can find this happening today. There are some people that say, yes, believe in Jesus and be baptized. And be baptized, in some cases, in a very particular way. Here's the method. Here's the formula. And if you haven't been baptized in this way, using this formula, 
then you're not saved. So basically what they're saying is that, yeah, believing in Jesus is right and good, and of course it's necessary, but you also have to be baptized. Well, that's adding something to the gospel. And in, in the end, it's taking away from the gospel because it's really making your salvation contingent upon your baptism and upon the formula that was used for your baptism. And it's not a simple trust in the finished work of Christ. So you have that. You even have some who would say, well, believe in Jesus, but you got to be part of this church. Believe it or not, there, there are groups that say that. As a matter of fact, one group that emphasizes baptism also says you've got to be part of our church. There's, a, there's what is known as the International Church of Christ. Now, there's two Church of Christ. There's one Church of Christ that is a, a legalistic Christian denomination. They believe that you can't have musical instruments and all of that sort of stuff. They're, they're Christians. They're Orthodox. They kind of do have the baptismal hang up a little bit too, but not to the point of saying that unless you're baptized into our church, you're not saved. But the International Church of Christ, which is much more prevalent in the culture, which preys on young people on college campuses and things like that, this is basically their message. Their message is uh, you can only be saved by being baptized by us because we're the Church of Christ. Everything else is not the Church of Christ. We are the Church of Christ. And so you've got to be baptized in this particular way, and you've got to be part of our organization. And they will even threaten people that if you ever leave us, will you basically leave salvation? Because salvation is, is through us. So, I mean, this is happening. We don't have to look for examples, you know, 2,000 years ago in history. So you've got that. You still have today those who would emphasize law-keeping. Well, yes, you can, you, you know, believe in Jesus, but you also, you need to keep the law. Uh, there's a big problem in Israel today among the messianic congregations. Now, I've been to Israel a number of times. I know people in these congregations. There's a, a huge problem because they, they can't seem to get freed from the law. They can't seem to, to really just take the Pauline understanding of salvation. They're always getting entangled again in the law and thinking that somehow, you know, the law of Moses has got to be a part of our salvation. And so in some cases, they're just basically saying like, yeah, believing in Jesus is great. Of course, we need to believe in Jesus. He's the Messiah. But we also got to adhere to Moses. That's not the gospel. And anyone who's doing that is not preaching the gospel. Maybe it's not law keeping in the, the Jewish sense, but maybe it's good works. But yeah, believing in Jesus and doing good works. That's how you get saved. no. You get saved by believing in Jesus. You do good works as a result of having believed in Jesus and become saved. So you see, good works proceed from our salvation. They don't precede our salvation. join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, I want to take a minute and tell you about a fantastic book on the subject of the grace of God. This is one of the greatest topics that we could ever study and we could ever come to really thoroughly understand. God's grace. God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is what carries us through life. And God's grace is what will ultimately 
Lead Us Home. And my wife, Cheryl Broderson, she has written an amazing book on grace. It's called A Woman's Battle for Grace. And I would like to recommend this, not just to our women listeners, although it's sort of specifically for women, but it's a little more general on grace. So I think any of you men that would be interested in the topic, you would be blessed by this book as well. So it's called A Woman's Battle for Grace, and it's by Cheryl Broderson. And I want to recommend that you get it and read it, and I guarantee that you'll be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. You can order the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson to help you experience the power of God's grace within your life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.